This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience, and today we bring you the story of Danny Ainge. Of course, Danny Ainge is not in the Hall of Fame. He is not considered one of the great players in basketball history. I mean, he definitely has his place in the game. He was a very good player, but he is not among the pantheon of the all-time great players, yet he was selected to one All-Star game in 1988. He also has two championships from his playing days as the shooting guard for the Boston Celtics in the 1980s when he played alongside Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and Dennis Johnson. That was a starting lineup that consisted of four Hall of Famers and Danny Ainge. So why have we chosen to point our spotlight on him today? I mean, normally when we do a player profile, we do one on a great but forgotten player. But in this case, I want to highlight the idea of the professional athlete being great all-around athletes. And Danny Ainge was an incredibly gifted all-around athlete. Sometimes we tend to think of these guys as great basketball players, which they are. But in many cases, these guys are just gifted all-around athletes who play basketball because it is their best sport. For example, LeBron James was an all-state wide receiver for his high school in Ohio. He had football scholarship offers. Will Chamberlain ran track and field. He was the Big 12 champion in the high jump for three years in a row. Of course, the conference was still called the Big 8 at the time. Dave DeBusher was a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Many of the players who play in the NBA are just plain all-around athletes, and in many cases, basketball just happens to be their best sport, which is why they pursue it. Danny Ainge was no different. He too was more than just a basketball player, and that is what I want to get into today. He was born on March 17, 1959 in Eugene, Oregon. That is also where he was raised as he attended North Eugene High School and was raised in a strict Mormon family. He grew to a height of 6 foot 4 or 193 centimeters. This is almost the perfect height for a basketball player or professional athlete in general. It is tall enough to be a solid shooting guard in the NBA, but it is not so tall that a player would become ineffective in other sports. His height was also very useful in both American football and baseball. As a kid, he played every sport his parents let him sign up for, and he was good at all of them. I mean, Danny Ainge is flat out an extremely talented athlete. There was almost nothing that he could not do. At North Eugene High School, he was a star of the basketball team, and rightly so. Just about everyone who ever stepped onto an NBA court was the superstar of their high school team. That is typically the first step in becoming an NBA player. He led his team to two Oregon State Championships in 1976 and 1977. He was also named an All-State player both of those years. He basically did everything for that team. Again, if you go back and look at the high school statistics of almost any NBA player, you will probably find that they were not only the best scorer on the team, but they also led the team in rebounds, assists, and steals. Danny Ainge was that kind of player, but basketball was not his only love as an athlete. He was also a wide receiver on the football team, American football that is. He had incredible hands, lots of height, good speed, and he could leap for nearly any ball thrown his way. 
he had a good number of college scholarship offers as a wide receiver. But if that is not enough, he was also a really great baseball player. His best position was second base. He was a speedy infielder and was great with the bat. Again, with his height of six foot four, long arms, and a very quick first step, he could snag any ball hit anywhere near him in the infield. He was like a vacuum cleaner for his baseball team. When he scooped up a line drive, he could turn and fire that ball to first base in one very quick motion. He was so good at baseball that he was already on the radar of Major League Baseball while still in high school, which is normal in the baseball world as the top high school players in the country are drafted every year and begin their careers in the minor leagues. He was a legitimate three-sport athlete. He was the first player to be named an All-American in three different sports. That means that as a 17-year-old high school senior, he was considered one of the best players in the entire United States in basketball, football, and baseball. He had scholarship offers for all three sports. He could have gone to almost any college he wanted depending on the sport. And that became a competition in itself. When you have a top high school basketball player, the recruitment of that player can become fierce. You have college basketball coaches competing with each other to land a top player like Danny Ainge. But in this particular case, those basketball coaches were not just competing with each other. They were also competing with football coaches that wanted Ainge as a wide receiver. And those football coaches were not just competing with the basketball coaches because all of them were competing with baseball coaches all over the country who wanted Ainge to be their next great infielder and home run hitter. So you had college coaches from three different sports all competing against each other for one athlete. Not to mention the fact that Major League Baseball general managers were also talking to Danny Ainge about skipping going to college completely and going directly into professional baseball. Now we did an entire episode about the chaos that was the college recruitment of Moses Malone back in episode 77. And I would say that this rivaled that because you had coaches from three different sports all wanting Danny Ainge to play for them, along with professional baseball teams also wanting Danny Ainge. So Ainge had a difficult decision to make. When he got honest about it, he figured that a professional career in football was not likely to happen. Only about 1.5% of Division I college football players ever get to play in the NFL. Even though he was considered one of the best high school football players in the country, it was the weakest of his three sports that he played. So he dropped football from his plans. That left basketball and baseball. He had what it took to play professionally in both sports. So which one would he choose? Well, he chose both, and I'll be right back after this break to explain how he pursued both baseball and basketball. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique 
unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Hello, sports history fans. I'm Ross from the podcast Pigskin Tales. You're about to jump into another thrilling sports history moment. But first, let's dive into today's sponsor, just in time for the holiday season. Introducing Art of Words, the brainchild of word artist Dan Duffy from Philadelphia. Dan meticulously crafts stunning images by handwriting relevant words from some of the greatest sports moments in time. These unique budget-friendly illustrations are the perfect gift, sparking cherished memories and capturing hearts. Choose from city skylines, sports, history, and musicians to find a piece for everyone. And here's the exciting part. For that sports fanatic in your life, gift them a piece of their favorite team or player's history. Art of Words tells a compelling story. Explore collegiate stadiums, each meticulously crafted with every football victory etched into words. Or venture into baseball stadiums, handwritten with every player from the team's illustrious history. My favorite on the site is Bryce Harper 2021 MVP year. Because I'm a big stats guy, I think that's one of the coolest things ever. Check it out! Don't wait! Order a print today for yourself and your loved one this holiday season. Transform your wall into a gallery of captivating art and surprise your family and friends with a print of their own. Use code SHN15 at artofwords.com for a 15% discount on your order in November and December. Visit Art of Words, where words magically transform into stunning art, evoking cherished memories and touching the hearts of those who you care about. Again, use the code SHN15 for 15% off at artofwords.com. Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of Danny Ainge and how he was able to pursue both basketball and baseball. He graduated high school in 1977 and was selected by the Toronto Blue Jays in that year's amateur baseball draft. Now, this is not uncommon as Major League Baseball teams often draft players directly from high school. Some decide to go to college instead, but many go ahead and sign a professional contract and begin their careers in the minor leagues of American baseball. That is what Danny Ainge decided to do. He signed a minor league contract with the Blue Jays and began to play in their minor league system. However, he also accepted a basketball scholarship to Brigham Young University in Utah, also known as BYU. Back in the 1980s, the college rules allowed for an athlete to be a professional in a sport and still play in college as long as the player's professional sport and amateur sport were different sports. In other words, Ainge could play basketball for BYU as an amateur because it was a different sport from baseball where he was a professional. 
The rules do not allow for that anymore. The way that they look at it now is that if you're a professional in any sport, then you are a professional, period. That player can no longer play college sports at all. But Ainge took advantage of the rules of his day and played both sports. He attended school from August to May, and within that academic period, he played basketball for BYU from November through March. And as soon as school was over in May, he would report immediately to the Blue Jays and begin playing baseball again. As August rolled around, he would leave the Blue Jays and return to school as it started up each year. All of this was great. It did not take him long to reach the top levels of baseball. It took him only two years to reach the majors, and he debuted in the spring of 1979 for the big club. For decades, he held the record for the youngest player to ever hit a home run for the Toronto Blue Jays at 20 years and 77 days old. Since then, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has broken that record. But Danny Ainge played three solid years of baseball for the Blue Jays as a second baseman and an outfielder, and he batted 220 for his career. Now, while he was doing quite well as a professional baseball player, he was still playing basketball for BYU. At BYU, he won the John Wooden Award as the best basketball player in the nation. His most famous basket came in the NCAA tournament. BYU was playing against Notre Dame and Notre Dame had just scored a basket to take the lead with eight seconds on the clock. BYU inbounded the ball to Danny Ainge who dribbled coast to coast and made a layup with just two seconds left on the clock. Now Notre Dame did not have a timeout so they had to inbound the ball and hope for the best. They took a desperation shot from half court and missed. BYU moved on to the Sweet 16 of the tournament that year. Now the crazy thing about that shot is that Danny Ainge was BYU's best player. The entire defense was was ready for him and looking at him, and Ainge just dribbled the entire length of the court, weaving his way through all five Notre Dame defenders and made a layup. They let him get all the way to the basket untouched. And that Notre Dame team included Kelly Tripuca and John Paxson, both future NBA players. Seriously, go ahead and find that play on YouTube. It is incredible. Now, as his college basketball career ended in the spring of 1981, he was drafted in the second round by the Boston Celtics as their new rookie shooting guard. However, he still had a baseball season to play that summer with the Blue Jays before joining the Celtics in the fall. And he was going to pull a Bo Jackson and try to play both sports professionally since they played at opposite times of the year. So, for a year, he kept playing both sports at the professional level. Again, he played the 1981 baseball season with the Blue Jays and then reported to the Celtics and played the 81-82 NBA season. He had a mediocre rookie season. He only played in 53 games, starting one of them, and averaged four points per game. But even though it was not the greatest rookie season anyone had ever had, he felt good about what he had accomplished. Eventually, he decided to walk away from baseball and pursue basketball only. The Blue Jays were not happy because they saw Ainge as their second baseman of the future, and he was about to quit and play basketball? Now, there was a legal battle between the Blue Jays and the Boston Celtics. Ainge's Blue Jays contract allowed him to leave the team to return to school to get his education, but it did not allow him to leave his team to go play a different professional sport. That is what the dispute was about. In the end, the Celtics thought enough of Ainge to buy out his contract with the Blue Jays so that he could become a full-time basketball player. And Red Auerbach is the man within the Celtics organization who made that decision.
For Ainge's second year with the Celtics, he became a starter and doubled all of his statistics with the increased playing time. It looked like Ainge made the right decision to play basketball over baseball. He won two NBA championships with the Celtics in 1984 and 1986, and that confirmed his decision. Also, in 1988, he made his first and only All-Star game. He continued to increase his efficiency, and by 1989, the Celtics were starting to break up as everyone was getting older. The Celtics decided to send Ainge to Sacramento, where he would score 20 points per game in his first season with the Kings. After a couple of years in Sacramento, he moved on to Portland for a couple of years and then played his final three years with the Phoenix Suns. He arrived in Phoenix the same year as Charles Barkley and they went to the finals that year but lost out to Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. In total, he played 14 seasons and had a career average of 12 points per game. Now, after a year away from the game as a player, he was brought back to Phoenix as their new head coach. He led the team for three years before moving on to his next challenge. In 2003, he was hired to be the head executive of the Boston Celtics, where his basketball career started. He took the job with the full support of predecessor Red Auerbach, who stayed on with the Celtics as a special consultant. Now, the biggest move that he made as an executive was in the summer of 2007 when he brought in Ray Allen from the Seattle Supersonics. He also made a trade with his former teammate Kevin McHale, who was running the Minnesota Timberwolves at the time. Ainge gave away nearly his entire bench for Kevin Garnett, and along with Paul Pierce, who was already there, the Celtics were transformed and under the leadership of Coach Doc Rivers, they won the 2008 NBA Championship. Ainge had just proven himself to be a very capable executive and judge of talent. He held on to that job until 2021, and while he did not win another championship as an executive, he did bring in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and built a great team in Boston. At the end of the 2021 season, he left the Celtics and within a couple of months, he was hired to take over and run the Utah Jazz, where he still works today. Now, if you have not guessed already, Ainge is an extremely competitive person. I mean, you have to be to play and work at the highest level of professional sports. The timid do not last long in that environment. He still has that fire that led him to get into a number of fights as a player. He once fought Tree Rollins, who was much larger than him, but he did not care. He never backed down from a fight. Rollins bit Ainge's finger so hard that Ainge needed stitches just to keep the finger together. The next day, the headline in the Boston Herald said, Tree Bites Man. Now, he may not be remembered as a great player, and by NBA standards, he was not. But let's keep in mind the context of that statement. In the 1980s, the NBA only had enough roster spots for around 350 players. That means that for over a decade, Danny Ainge was one of the 350 best players in the world. As an all-around athlete, he was on a different level than most everybody else. And then that brings me back to how we started this episode. Danny Ainge is the quintessential example of an elite all-around athlete. The guy had such coordination, speed, agility, and strength that he was able to play three different sports to wild success. Well, that is our profile on Danny Ainge. Join us next time when we share the story of the early rule committees of basketball. These committees were essential in keeping basketball on a united path moving forward. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast and check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories in the past. Take care and see you soon.